right, welcome to Two for Crosstalking. I'm your host, Todd Reeves. I'm glad to be joined with my good buddy from north of the border in Toronto, Canada, Franklin Rubenstein. Franklin, welcome. Thanks, Todd. It's probably even warmer here in Toronto than in California today. I think we're at we're at 80 Fahrenheit, finally. I think the frost is finally lifted from the trees and everything, but, you know, everyone's still excited for the, the final run of the Stanley Cup final. You know, you know you're from Canada when you have to say Fahrenheit after 80. <laughs> it's true, you, you do. <laughs> I mean, we never, you never hear, it's 80 Fahrenheit here in, in well, because, Southern California yeah. where I am. Well, we, we, we don't go with the antiquated imperial system up north, so... <laughs> All right, so, I mean, what can we say about the Western Conference Finals? It was unbelievable. I mean, I was thinking, was it the best series you've ever seen? I don't know if it was the best series I've ever seen, but one of the most surprisingly enjoyable series that I'd ever seen, because I, I didn't expect Los Angeles to be able to score four and five goals and win the series. It just wasn't the type of series from a Daryl Sutter team that I would have expected and credit to them for, for changing the way they win games and, uh, you know, creating a larger, you know, a greater ability to score goals, bottom line. And it, it kept them in the series and ultimately won them the series. So what you're saying is the, uh, the 93 Western conference finals was the greatest series of all time. Uh, maybe in, in Southern California, but, you know, I, I guess if not winning a Stanley Cup is fine for Los Angeles fans, I guess they'll they'll enjoy that series and remember it fondly. Well, you know, Toronto took another slap in the face last night, don't you? Uh, go, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Tell me how. I mean, you know, you know, Justin Williams, Mr. Game 7, they're calling him. You know, he yeah. broke the record for most points in a, in a Game 7. Right. And you know whose record he broke. Was it, I guess, Gilmore? I That's no right, idea. Doug Gilmore. So Doug there Gilmore has been erased from the record books, so to speak. I didn't even know Doug Gilmore played in that many Game 7s. So. Well, he played for so long with so many different teams, I guess, between Calgary, you know, Calgary, St. Louis, Toronto. I, I guess that's how he accumulated all those points. And he was just so clutch for the Maple Leafs, I guess. That's the other way it sort of worked out for them. Not 93, though. No. <laughs> no, you know, he was busy lying on the on the ice after he got high sticked and waiting for a call from Kerry <laughs> Fraser, but we'll talk about that another time. Kerry Fraser. All right, so back to this year's uh, West Conference Finals. You're right. It was a, a strange series from the Kings' perspective because Jonathan Quick wasn't that good. I mean, he was okay, but, I mean, what did you think of the, the sharp goal, the third goal of the game? Was that a soft goal or was that a lucky bounce? At first, I was pretty irate being a Kings fan. I thought it was a pretty soft goal, but you look at the replay and... Uh, what did you think of Quick in this series? I, I didn't think Quick played at the level that um, that we'd come to expect from him in a big series. And I, and I would say the same thing about Crawford. I, I was a little disappointed uh, in both goalies. And, you know, the, the fact that the Kings were able to win with Quick being average or slightly above average says a lot about the, their team and, and their ability to, to score goals and be clutch. I mean, the Kings are a clutch team. I mean, there's no doubt about it. They have a lot of guys um, who seem to play very well when it's important. And and up the middle, I mean, their depth at center is the best in the NHL. I don't think there's any question about it. You know, when you talk about Kopitar and Carter and, and go down the line, I guess, Richards and Stoll. I mean, when, when Mike Richards is your fourth-line center, 
or stole, I you pick or pick and choose. I mean, you're talking about um, two great face-offs guys, two guys who are willing to do anything. Um, I, I just, I'm so impressed with what they can do. So it, it was, it was pretty good. What did you, I mean? I thought Crawford was a bit of a disappointment in that too. I don't know what you thought about him. I was. I thought it was just the opposite. I mean, I don't know what the talk up in Toronto is, but everyone, it seemed like last year and this year would, would be the reason the Blackhawks didn't win the Cup was because of Corey Crawford. He was the weak link, you know, last year, and yet they won the Cup. And then, I mean, I even heard people from Chicago on Twitter and stuff saying, can you really win a second Cup with Crawford? But I thought other than... Maybe games uh, four and most of game five. I thought Crawford was a little shaky then, but I thought he was pretty strong. I thought he did a lot better than I thought. But, you know, I also didn't think the Kings, especially in the first half of game seven, they didn't They didn't seem – there were some games where they didn't put enough rubber on Crawford. You know, they were missing wide, and the Blackhawks are so good at blocking shots. It was Amazing. unbelievable how great they are at blocking shots, and it actually cost them two of the goals. The Justin Williams goal was a block shot and a rebound, and then the, the game winner went off a defenseman. So, I mean, I think Crawford had a lot of help, but, I mean, I actually expected Crawford to be worse than he was. I thought he did pretty well. I think he had the best save of Game 7 when he robbed uh, Dustin Brown. Oh, my gosh. With a great glove save. It was amazing. It was great. I mean, the one thing I... I almost always walk away after watching Kings games is uh, Drew Doughty is... Tremendous. I, I just uh, he, he he is just so good with the puck. He's so good passing the puck. He's always in the right place. He makes the right decisions on when to when to make that you know offensive move in the offensive zone and when to hold pull back. He's just you know in a series when you've got Seabrook and you've got Keith and you've got some great defensemen. He to me just really stood out as maybe the best defenseman. You can make a strong case that he might be the best defenseman in the NHL. Well, they've been talking about that. I need you to talk to my wife, though. She was all over Drew Doughty in Game Six and Seven. I mean, I there was more Drew Doughty bashing going on by my wife, and really, she kept, because she kept saying, "I was like, he scored the tying goal in Game Six. How can you be all over him?" But she said, "Every time something bad happens to the Kings, he's on the ice." And I'm like, "But he's on the ice he... half the game, so yeah. this stuff, bad stuff is going to happen." Especially when you go up against Kane and Taves. I mean, you're always out there against the top two lines. There's they're going to score, you know, when yeah, you're out yeah. there. And you know, you're always playing on the penalty kill too when you're not taking uh, cross-checking penalties in front of the net. But you know, it it, it was a great series. Uh, I'm sure you had. Uh, you know, after the regulation ended, I'm sure you had Alec Martinez, right, as your pick to win the series. It was pretty much maybe number two on my list, but he, he was certainly in my top three. Yeah, Kane or Alec Martinez were the first two names that came to mind. They were my Bucci Overtime Challenge nominee <laughs> for sure. Uh, but that's the way it works, right? It's it's not. It's just right place, right time, putting a shot on goal. You know, that's that that's how these games end, I guess. I mean, yeah, you look at Game 5, Michael Hanzus, who pretty much did nothing in the series. Nothing. You know, scores the overtime winner, didn't do anything before that, didn't do much after that. So, uh, it was just a, a great series. Why why wasn't Corey Crawford the uh, Canadian Olympic goalie? Why Carey Price? Uh, I guess, well, it's hard to question the decision now, basically, that Canada won a gold medal. I mean, I think... Uh, you can say that Price certainly doesn't have the team in front of him. 
Um, That's true. And, and, and I thought Price, uh, certainly in the first two rounds of the playoffs, did nothing um, to show that he shouldn't be the, the top Canadian goalie. I mean, he was wonderful in the Olympics. He was clutch. He made important saves when he had to. Um, and he did that the same in the playoffs this year. I mean, Montreal, it, it would be tough to be a Canadiens fan right now, and I'm sure we'll get to this. I thought Tokarski played well, but, you know, you wonder if having Price there would have been the difference. Uh, the other thing, you know, the other thing that made me upset was, you know, Kane, you know, he's finished off the uh, Minnesota series, you know, won that series with the goal. They call him clutch, you know, it doesn't yeah. do much the first three games and then just explodes the last. And they're talking about, oh, he's the biggest clutch player in the NHL. Well, where were you during the Canada game? We didn't score. The U.S. did not score. Where was this clutch Patrick Kane in the Olympics when we didn't even get a medal? That's what I was wondering. Where was this guy? It's a good question. I I don't think you can make a case for him that he's Mr. Clutch yet. Uh, he's a great player, though. He's a great talent. I love watching. I love watching him with the puck. He's a, he's probably as fun a player in the league as there is when he's on. There aren't too many guys who are more fun to watch. Just just as a fan, I mean, he's great. I, the one thing I was wondering is, you know, as we saw Crosby go out in the second round, and I, I thought I thought Chicago was going to win the series and ultimately win the cup. You know. Where 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 does Jonathan Taves rank right now as a leader? And would you rather have a guy like Taves on your team, or would you rather have Sidney Crosby? Well, the on the American broadcast side, uh, they asked Mike Milbury, you know, if you were starting a team, who would you want? You know, you could choose anybody, and he picked Taves. So, I mean, I I think Taves is definitely in the conversation. Crosby. I don't know what's going on with Crosby and, and the Penguins, you know. I mean, does he not have the team around him or, you know, I don't know what it is. But, I mean, you can't go wrong with Jonathan Taves, that's for sure. No, he, he's great. And but I, I give I give the Kings credit. I mean, I think the move at the deadline to get Gabrick. Which wasn't, uh, it wasn't, it was talked about, but it wasn't a huge deal. There, I mean, people thought Gabrick was kind of. On his last legs, and he, I, he still is, but it, it's perfect for the team that doesn't need him to score every game, but needs him to score one out of every two or every three games, and he can still do that, right? Yeah, and it helps when you play with a guy like Kopitar too. You know, that's such a great passer, and he is great. And and you know, it it upsets me as a Kings fan because. I think everyone's jumping on the the Andre Kopitar bandwagon now. When two and three years ago, the guy was was phenomenal, and people just because he plays in L.A., you know, he's not Canadian, he's not American, you know, people didn't know about him. And the guy, you know, three years ago he gets hurt right before the playoff start. Kings lose. Next year he's healthy and they win the cup. And right. I'm not saying it's a direct correlation, but. You know, even they didn't talk that much. They talked a little about Kopitar, but it seems like everyone's jumping on the bandwagon since the Olympics, when you know when he had a great Olympic tournament, and uh, now that he's having a great playoff run, everyone's like, "Oh, Andre Kopitar is a top player." Where you know, four or five months ago, they didn't say anything about Kopitar. Well, it, it's so easy to jump on the bandwagon when he's is he leading the playoff in scoring yeah. right now? So. Uh -huh. That, that would be, you know, it's just the easy way out to look at the scoring list and see a guy like that and go, well, he's the reason why. But you're right, there's so much more to it than his game. And his vision is so incredible. He makes his line mates so much better. And that's, you know, Gabrick is a guy that you just need to get the puck to. 
you know, yeah. uh, in the right spots, catch him, uh, catch him without the puck, moving quickly, because he's such a good skater, and certainly that's been a perfect match. So okay, let's move on to the East and uh, a series I did not see as much of since I was focused on the Kings and the Blackhawks, but I did see. Uh, most of the games, I think I missed one or two early in the series, and that was uh, Montreal and the Rangers. How good are the Rangers? I mean, it, people say the East is weak, but you know they sure look pretty strong going, you know, coming back against Pittsburgh and then, you know, winning that series, and then they pretty much, even though as you said, the Canadians didn't have Carey Price, uh, they kind of dominated Montreal a little bit. They certainly outplayed Montreal. The I think the question in a lot of people's minds, certainly in my mind, is have they beaten a truly great team yet? And I'm not so sure they have. When you look at the Kings, there's little doubt that they've played great competition and, and they've beaten them. I mean, each, each round they've played good teams. And, the, I mean, the Rangers took out Philadelphia in the first round who have their own set of question marks. Yeah. Uh, I mean, certainly in the second round, Pittsburgh has their own set of weaknesses. Montreal without Carey Price. I don't know if they've they faced a team like Los Angeles. I'm not saying Los Angeles is going to win, but it is going to be by far their stiffest test. Um, you know, the, everyone's, the, the great thing for the Rangers is they do have a wonderful goalie who, in, in the series against Montreal, when he needed to be great, he was great. And if they get that type of goaltending again, it's not going to be a short series. They're going to they're they're going to have to win. They're going to win a couple games, but I, I don't I don't know. I don't like the Rangers' chances. I, I I I'm with the odds makers. I don't know if they can match them four lines deep. Um, I don't know if they can match the size and the physicality of what the Kings bring to the table. Um, but they were great against Montreal. I mean, they they won. You know, Game Seven was amazing, but. Um, they were great. So, how do you feel about the? You know, do you think you? You know, you say you didn't know about if Price would have made a difference, but it seemed like you know PK Subban didn't have a, a great series, and the Rangers seemed to be a little faster and seemed to have a little, you know, just better scoring touch around the net, whether it be you know Haglin, St. Louis, you know Nash, but. Richards, can you trust those guys in the final? I don't. I don't. <laughs> I really don't. I, I I don't trust them. I mean, they've been good. I I mean, Nash has to be. Nash has to play big boy hockey like he's capable of playing, and he hasn't really done it consistently through the first three rounds of the playoffs. He's shown glimpses, but he hasn't done it for you know six or seven games in a series he's done it for two or three or spurts and i that's not gonna that's not gonna get it done st louis has been very good actually i think since really since you know unfortunately since his mother passed away it seems like he's played really well he's found his scoring touch he's getting his chances every game i mean tokarski made a couple saves that it wasn't that st louis didn't put a good shot i mean tokarski made amazing saves coming across the net where you caught st louis just looking up in the air frustrated I think he's going to be good again. Um, I just don't know about the third and fourth lines, their ability to match up with what the king, the depth that the Kings uh, bring to the table. I think that's going to be a serious issue. Um, you know, the one thing, too, when, when you watch the Rangers and seeing Ryan McDonough, who is an elite NHL defenseman, you just you can appreciate this, the fact that they traded McDonough, basically, I think it was for Scott Gomez. 
<laughs> I mean, has there been a worse trade in the NHL over the last 10 years than that? Uh, yeah, that's, I don't know. I mean, we'd have to look at some of the Toronto Maple Leaf deals, but you might be right. That, that It would be hard. I mean, yes. I think the two rash trade from the Toronto Maple Leafs perspective did not work out very well. But um, there, there aren't, that, that, I mean, he's really good. He's he's great, but I, I just I don't trust I don't trust the Rangers to score consistently. I don't trust the Rangers to be able to keep up with the pace and the size of the Kings. I I don't think they can. I, do you think they can? Well, I don't I don't know, but it seems like you know I was you know kind of watching TV last night, and it seems like they're trying to frame this series. The media is as King size versus Ranger speed, and I mean I don't. I didn't see a you know a huge significant advantage speed wise for the Rangers at they're, all. They're just smaller. You just have St. Louis and Zuccarello who are really yeah, small yeah. and therefore they're fast. But it doesn't mean the Kings players can't keep up with them. Right. I mean, I think Toffoli and uh, Pearson have been great. You know, amazing. You know, for young players to come in and do do really well um, has really sparked the Kings. Kind of like two years ago when they had Dwight King and uh, Jordan Nolan come in, and Nolan hasn't played at all in the playoffs. But, I mean, I would say no. I don't give the Rangers much of a chance. As a Kings fan, I'm pretty confident that they can win. But, And I thought most people would say that, but watching ESPN and NHL Network, there was a couple of people that really give the Rangers a, a shot in this series. I mean, do you think the little fatigue play – you know, any role at all? I mean, the Kings coming off a seven-game series, and then, you know, the series, even though there's two days rest between game one and now two days rest between one and two, but they still got to make the cross-country flights. And, you know, it's not like the Kings' first two series when they had to fly to San Jose and, and you know, basically take a car down or a bus down to Anaheim. So, Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's going to be a quick series because the Kings don't make it ever easy for yeah, their fans or themselves. They don't. So... You know, the, the Kings could easily get up 3-1 or something, and it would not surprise me that the Rangers come back and win a couple games. I just think when meaningful hockey needs to be played, um, the Kings are going to be the better team. But I, I don't think it's going to be a quick series. I mean, I think the Rangers have a lot of good things working for them. Um, and I also think, you know, Vigneault has been able to sort of find the right combinations and tweak his lineup. And, and the Rangers are pretty – I mean – they got a little undisciplined against Montreal, but up to that point, I thought they played a really disciplined style of hockey, and it served them really well. If they can get back to playing discipline, um, it's not going to be quick. I, I just I can't see it being quick. But I, in terms of fatigue, I think you know the Rangers haven't played exactly short series. Uh, you're in the Stanley Cup final. They do have a couple days. I'd like to think that they will be able to to handle the rigors of this series. The you know you talk about the the Rangers. You know, they also have to fly across country, too. You think home ice will mean anything? Come, you know, Stable Center, Madison Square Garden, will that mean anything? I don't know. I, I, the Kings have shown me during the playoffs they can play anywhere and beat anyone whenever whenever they play well. Um, and same with, I mean, the Rangers played very well in Montreal, winning the first two games um, in that series. And I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not a huge home ice guy. I think uh, in this series both teams are able will be able to win on the road when necessary. That's what's going to keep, hopefully, the final interesting. But I'm not so sure it's a huge advantage. Do you think it's going to play a big role in the series? No, probably not. I think, 
I think the Rangers have to steal at least one game in L.A. I think, it, you know, if they, like you said, they might come back if they're down 3-1 and win a game. But if they fall behind 2 nothing going back to New York, I think it's over, you know, at some point, wherever it may be, you know, how many games. But, you know, I think the home ice in the NHL doesn't is probably the least advantage for the home team of any of the major sports and, uh, Baseball is kind of up there too, but you know I don't think it matters. Like you said, the Kings can play anywhere. The Rangers won two games in Montreal, and you know it doesn't like Montreal is not you know exactly a library up there. They, they the fans get into it up there in Montreal, of course. But well, we celebrate hockey here in Canada. So <laughs> it's not a big deal when a team gets to the to the Stanley Cup final and a couple fans show up in an airport to welcome their team. <laughs> there it is, our first <laughs> shot at LA. You know, we well, had the third highest TV rating in America last night for game 7. Third well, highest. Well, shouldn't you? <laughs> and what was higher, Chicago and what? Buffalo? Uh Was it I think it might have been Buffalo. How do you Buffalo know? Buffalo is a ridiculously good hockey sports market in general. It's unbelievable. Well, you know, also because uh, Kane's from Buffalo, isn't he? Yes, Patrick he is. Kane's from Buffalo. Well, there you go. Maybe he's a lot Buffalo, of family. Rochester, I think. Yeah, so he maybe had some family to push up the rating there. I know, <laughs> <laughs> I know Boston. What, the Boston was up there, too. But, I mean, I don't know if you saw the rating, but Chicago's rating was a 22. And then wow. and Buffalo, the Kings, or I mean, L.A. was 4.9. So that they were third. And so I think number two was Buffalo at like a five point something. It shows you how into uh, the hockey Chicago was. But it's amazing how hockey is such a locally driven sport in terms of ratings. Yeah, but you know the Kings don't have the biggest fan base in the world. You know we have a lot of things to do out out here besides curling. Oh, there it is, <laughs> curling and you know ice hockey and pond hockey. So we have the beach right. and stuff. So we have other things to do, but. I will say we have a very loyal and passionate, even though it may... All 7,000 showed up. Hey, they, they're working on a sellout streak. You should go to, go to, a, go to a, if you're out there, go to a hockey game at Staples Center, and it'll be packed. And you go to a hockey game at Honda Center, and you'll see many empty seats there. You know what? I think Staples is now maybe the only building in the NHL I haven't been to, so it's on my list. There you go. So, one day. All right, so... Uh, before we wrap things up here, give me your prediction. Who's going to who's gonna win, how many games, and who wins the con Smythe? Uh, I think it's going to be Lost Kings in six, Andre Kopitar. Pretty safe down the middle bed, right? There's no surprise yeah. there. I'll go a little different than you. I'm just, I'm pretty confident in the Kings right now. I think... Chicago was, I think Chicago and L.A. are head and shoulders above everyone else. I think uh, their organizations have proven over the last few years, you know, that they know how to win in the playoffs. And the Rangers haven't been there in 20 years, but let's not remind us of that year. But I'm going to say Kings in five. I'll say Dowdy wins the con Smythe. All right. I think there's been an upswell of Drew Doughty, although he wasn't very good last night, as my wife will tell you over and over. Uh, you know, I don't know. And then I don't know if 
if you saw this watching in Canada, but supposedly somebody got the scoop that Dowdy got called into the coach's office after the first period or something. Did you hear about this? No, I did not. Yeah, so I guess some hockey, it said Hockey Night in Canada reporting that Drew Dowdy got called into the coach's office during the first intermission. So they obviously well, didn't like what he was doing out there. Well, Daryl is such a nice person to hang out with, so that must be a really comfortable <laughs> conversation. <laughs> That's true. Oh, one more thing, too. Uh, you think Elaine Vigneault makes a difference? I mean, I, I read a quote where he says, you know, coaching in Vancouver, he knows both teams. Um, he's beaten the Kings in the playoffs a few years ago when he was with Vancouver. Any advantage there? I think being exposed to Western Conference-style hockey is an advantage. I think being in the Stanley Cup before, uh, just as a coach, is an advantage. But, I mean, Daryl's got that, too. And so, um, I mean, if anyone, both coaches are so good at navigating the media waters, and they've done such a good job of that. And, I mean, I think for Vigneault, he's um, engendered such goodwill and by being who he is, and I think he is a good person and good with the media, and that only uh, was aided by having to replace arguably the worst coach with the media in the NHL in Tortorella. So, um, <laughs> you sure about I mean, that? Another going out on the limb from Franklin there. Tortorella's exactly. Worst but, media but, coach. but I don't necessarily think it's going to be a factor in the series. I mean, I think it'll be easier for the players. I think he'll deflect a lot of things. But both these teams, it's not like. Both these teams have been there. They've been in the media markets. I don't. I don't think it's going to be a huge factor in the final. I, I don't. I think too much, especially on the American broadcasts of hockey, is made up of coaching and coaching perspective and how coaches make a difference. And I think that's a load of crap. I think that ultimately players make the difference, and players are playing the game, and players will decide their team's fate. So that's just uh, a biased Canadian view for you. <laughs> And i got to get your opinion on this, because I heard Milbury, I think he was after the game, said this, and I disagreed with. Uh, there was a slashing penalty on one of the Blackhawks where he broke Carter's stick. Right, and right after, it was right after the two-man advantage for Chicago, I guess, right? Right, and uh, he said that was the worst, the worst penalty in hockey, that you know, as soon as you break someone's stick, it's an automatic slash. I disagree. The, the puck over the glass is the worst penalty in hockey. Why is that a penalty? I mean, I understand the reasoning, but it's just a it's a horrible penalty. Don't you agree? Uh, well, I don't know if puck over the glass is the worst penalty, but that certainly was not the worst penalty. Everyone knows when you, go, when you give up, when you have a two-man advantage and you don't score, you better be careful. It's, it's just hockey 101. So if you break a guy's stick in front of the referee, you're probably going to go to the penalty box. So, I don't know. I'm trying to think of a worse call in hockey. I don't. I don't mind the puck, puck over the over glass. The glass. Thing. I don't mind puck it. Over the glass. It encourages offense, an offensive style of hockey that you either you need to clear it or I, I don't know. That doesn't bother me so much. Sorry. You think you don't think the fencemen? You think they take extra care when they shoot it? Oh, you know, shoot it off the boards and down the ice. I don't think they do. They know what they're doing. They can hit it off the glass. I think on a backhand under pressure in your own zone and you have to clear the puck out of the zone, I think a lot of guys get a little rattled when they know they can't raise it too high and sometimes they flub it or something like that. Yeah. I do. Yeah, but if you fling it into the bench, then everything's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a horrible, it's a horrible penalty. 
That's a I, penalty. It doesn't bother me. I mean, you, what if goalies do it? I mean, you can't exactly. I mean, it's pretty tough to handle the puck with the goalie stick. No, goalie some of the guys are really good. Look at your boy Marty Brodeur is excellent with the puck. He could fling it over every time if he wanted to. I know, but I mean, we're that's Brodeur. We're talking about you know the greatest of all time. I mean, but you got <laughs> I like that one. Well, you know, when you talk about you know. Jonathan Bernier or, you know, Scrivens, or you got, you know, guys who don't handle the puck so well. I had to bring up two Toronto goalies. That the King clearly didn't want. <laughs> <laughs> did you see, by the way, did you see who the two goalies were? Speaking of goalies Toronto doesn't want, did you see who the two goalies for Canada at the World Championship were? I did not. I, I did not. They don't televise the World Championship. Nor should they. But James <laughs> Reimer and Scrivens were the two goalies. And obviously Canada lost early in the quarterfinal. So. <laughs> Very surprising with the, with the, you know, the murderer's <laughs> row of goalies. Well, because it worked so well in Toronto last year, Canada thought they'd try it at the World Championship this year to see, <laughs> see how it all turned out. I mean, they couldn't find anyone better? I think uh, a lot of the guys are tired. You know, I, I don't know. And I think, you know, Reimer wanted, Reimer wanted to go to try to boost his trade stock and did a wonderful job doing that, getting sat down for the quarterfinal in favor of Ben Scrivens. So that's, that's how the tournament went for James Reimer. Uh, yeah, when you get benched in favor of Edmonton Oilers goalies, it's not, not good. Things aren't going yeah, no. well for you. No. <laughs> All right, thanks, Franklin. Uh, good chat with you. Uh, Hopefully we have a good final. I don't think it'll be as good as the the uh, Western Conference final, but we can always cross our fingers and hope. I, I wouldn't mind a king sweep, though. It'd still be enjoyable. I'll, I'll ask you this question, though. Have you remembered a better springtime of playoff and just important sporting events than the NBA playoffs this year? And I know the Lakers didn't participate, but nonetheless, it's been a wonderful NBA playoffs. The NHL playoffs, which have been, I think, tremendous. A lot of seven-game series and, and, and just good hockey. And even the NCAA tournament, which was amazing this year through the first, you know, four rounds. And don't forget about the uh, – how can you forget about the uh, California Chrome? Our own <laughs> I wondered if you were going to go there. But next we're going to talk about Hialeah, are we? <laughs> we could. Do they play <laughs> that out there in Toronto? They don't. They don't. And we don't do a ton of horse racing either because it's not a big sport. <laughs> well, you know, the Triple Crown races, I mean, that's all you watch it for. I mean, everybody turns on the Kentucky Derby and then, you know, the guy at the horse wins the Preakness and everyone, you know, tunes in. But And there's no chance he wins. Is it a he? Is he? Yeah. It's a, California Chrome a he? Yeah, California Chrome's a he. Okay. Yeah, no chance, huh? No chance. I don't know. Uh, I, we could go on and on about horse racing, but <laughs> I'll say he wins. What the heck? I'll, I'll go. There you go. He's going to win. He's going <laughs> to win it. There you go. So, awesome. Well, on that note, uh, hopefully we can uh, do this again, maybe recap the final once it's over, and uh, also hopefully, Franklin, you'll be joining me for some tennis talk. we got the French Open going on right now, by the way. Two who's Canadians the left to play in the quarterfinals on Tuesday, so very exciting, Todd. Yeah, enjoy it. I don't think uh, Milos is going to be on the court very long against Novak. But who's your qu- who, quickly? Who's your pick for the French Open? Men and women. Sure. I got uh, Djokovic and the men, and Halep and the women. I'll take uh, I'll take Rafa, and I'll take Sharapova. 
Oh, so take the two favorites. Good call. <laughs> no, that's not true. Novak's the betting favorite. I saw it this morning. Is he really? Yeah, in the European, he's even money. Wow. So, Novak. I mean, after that beatdown of Sanga, he laid on him. You know, you'd have to make him the favorite. Rafa, better be careful with Ferrer. That's the only thing I'm oh, going to say. I know, absolutely. That, that is very scary. He's the one guy who could take out either of those two. Yeah, I agree. All right, Franklin, uh, have a good one in Toronto. Uh, enjoy the warm weather up there, and we'll talk to you next time. Thank you. Take care. <laughs>